Hi, uh, welcome to the fifth episode of season three of our podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. Hi, guys. Hey, Mary. Hey, Tom. Hey, Mary. Hey, Sean. Hey. So we're calling this season the Marketing Casebook, and it's because we've seen so many interesting recent marketing cases that, you know, number one, we're interested, but we thought that um, that you may be interested as well. So we look at the successes as well as some pretty good failures. And we figure out what that means to you as our clients. Um, and at the end of each podcast, we'll we'll have at least one set lesson that you can apply back to your business. Uh, the next two episodes that we're going to go through are covering something that uh, a lot of our pharmaceutical co- clients are, are struggling with constantly. It's uh, the loss of exclusivity. And, um, you know, and we know that it's important for you know, any industry if you're facing really tough competition from low price solutions. So we see that helping in, in those two ways. But Sean, what is uh, today's episode called? Well, today's episode is episode five, the case of the little blue pill that could. <laughs> Tom, Tom, what, Tom, what is this episode about? <laughs> well, this is an episode about that little blue, blue pill called Viagra, which uh, we had a very close uh, vantage point uh, on on this particular case. Viagra started in the 1990s, actually originally as a blood pressure medication that was found to have uh, a, a result, an unintended result that was very popular with men. And I think you all know what we're talking about. We're talking about the erectile dysfunction market. And uh, Viagra enjoyed patent protection all the way from its origins in uh, the mid-90s to 2017. It averaged about $800 million in sales but uh, a year, but in its early days was well over $1 billion a year. And so obviously a very powerful, powerful franchise that in 2017 faced generic competition for the first time. We were a bit concerned in watching this one as to whether the strategies that were being put in place were enough to allow Viagra and Pfizer, its parent company, to protect at least some of the revenues. But we recently saw a CNBC report claiming, uh, rightfully so, that Viagra has had a highly successful post-patent defense. And we looked into the reasons why this defense has been so successful. And we found some stuff that we think is really great, as Mary said, for other pharmaceutical clients, but anybody that's facing low-priced competition. So, Mary, do you want to start with some of the things that you've observed that Pfizer's done to maintain what is really still the, the number one position in this market. That's part of the reason CNBC says this has been successful. They haven't lost the number one position. They've lost some sales, obviously, but they've held on to um, the, the, the lead in this category. Mary, how are they doing it? Yeah, what I love about um, the timing of these types of things is, is that there's been enough time to test what they were doing. And you know, looking at that CNBC um, report, uh, was able to to show that the strategies that they were employing 
were highly effective. Um, one of them that I thought was really interesting was, you know, when, you, when you're a mature market, you have to start, I, I think you always need to look at segmentation, but, you know, in this case, they were stuck, you know, how do we figure out what we're going to do in the next part of a life cycle? And segmentation is always the bridge that helps you somehow sort it out. And, you know, ironically, as it sounds, there were a group of guys that, that um, it was about being discreet, right? And they were the ones that were already buying their, their knockoff drugs online, which were actually quite dangerous. Um, they did some pretty, uh, pretty interesting uh, exposés about, you know, cement and other things being in these, these knockoff products. So it was very interesting at the time where you could, you know, pay for a Viagra-like product, which really wasn't very Viagra-like, so it was dangerous, but it was because of the overriding need to, to have some kind of a discreet purchase. You know, these guys didn't want anyone. They didn't want to go to the pharmacy or anything. So that was a huge opportunity to say, wait a minute, these guys, no matter what we do with online or other types of channels, we're really not going to cannibalize our own products because they're already in another market, if you will, or different channel. So by looking um, at the online diagnosis and being able to, to have your subscription filled there was very interesting and which was unusual um, where most pharmaceutical companies didn't didn't have that channel, that uh, that direct online channel available, but it was worth the risk because they were able to find this segment. Um, Sean, what do you what do you what do you, you've seen this from many vantage points? What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the things that interests me most is is the um, they had a. It was almost as if they were planning for the loss of exclusivity before that happened, even though they knew it was coming, as every patent protection drug knows is coming, but. I don't think it was a conscious thought, but it really helped them post-exclusivity. What I mean by this is they it was a brand new molecule, a brand new treatment. It wasn't replacing something. It wasn't a better version of something. It was brand new to the market, treating a, a, a symptom that was rarely talked about and somewhat sniggered at. So they, they had this clean sheet of paper to launch. And, and, and as a consequence, the name Viagra, which of course is a brand name, became ultimately associated with this whole area of therapy. And that is a great asset to take forward. And they didn't mess it up. I think that's really important because often you, if you, if you have different um, painkiller, say, for example, and you lose exclusivity or an anti-acid or something like that, you, you, you've got to invest in building that brand up while it's under patent protection to give yourself a, a, a longer runway post patent protection, make it harder to copy because you're building value in the brand, not just in in, in what it does. And I, I thought that was interesting that they had such a strong brand. It's almost used interchangeably for any ED medication. It's like a catch-all term for for that type of product. Um, and I think the other thing that that was interesting is 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 the very nature of the of the product. It it was a high risk to try something else. You know, there was a there was a critical moment of truth involved in this product. If you follow me, if you if you change to a different antacid and thought that didn't have quite the effect I was hoping for, I'm going back to the branded product. You've you've lost an hour or two of discomfort. If you had a painkiller and the same thing, you thought I'll, I'll use the the generic brand. It's much cheaper, but felt it didn't have the same uh, painkilling effect. You'd switch back. There's a big risk involved in this, so they also had in their favour the the 
the the atmosphere, if you like, of 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 risk both to personal health, but also in the usage of the product. You know, nobody wants to have uh, to explain. You know, sorry, that was the generic version. I'll try. I'll try the real stuff <laughs> next time. <laughs> you know, it adds an element of stress to the thing, and you, that, that's not always present. But these are some of the elements that made it successful, I think, and that's where the lessons that we can learn are, are buried under some of the circumstances. Tom, what do you think? It was a whole puzzle that came together, and I applaud the Viagra team and Pfizer for their determination because it it took a lot of determination to figure out this whole online diagnosis and fulfillment. But the, the first piece of the puzzle, Mary, as you said, was segmentation. What they realized was that some of their target segments not only felt shy about talking to their, their, their doctor about this problem. But they even felt judged as they went into the pharmacy to pick up the prescription. And so you step back from that situation, you see what everybody's trying to do. Everybody on, on television, they and their competitors is trying different methods to get somebody to tee up the conversation with their doctor with you know varying levels of success. But still, even at its height, there was... Um, you know, we saw the numbers. There was probably over half the men that suffered from this still weren't talking to their doctors, even when this was over an, a, a billion dollar drug for Viagra. And so, you know, you step back from that and you say, what's the ultimate solution? And, and, and it clearly is that if somebody can do this in uh, anonymity from start to end, that's, that's the secret. And the technology trend is enabling this, but you know, we there, there there were a lot of discussions around: Can we really do this? Is this something that can really be diagnosed, you know, without an actual you know visit to a doctor? The 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 fulfillment part of it, you know, having it shipped to your house was something that you know they began to realize, well, this is going to be able to happen. It's already happening. But to put that whole thing together and find ways where it was safe yet effective to take the whole thing, you know, out from interpersonal, you know, interpersonal contact and make the whole thing discreet and to keep working at it and piloting it in different markets to finally find ways to get it done. And then ultimately, you know, the whole thing started coming in in place with certain distributors who specialize in this thing and it all came together. But it took a lot of, I think, determination for the folks at Pfizer to see this coming, coming be a leader in it. And it, it was really one of the big keys for them holding on to the number one position. Yeah. Hey, Tom, I, I was, you probably know, know this, this, um, this product better than I do from the, from the exposure you, you <laughs> I should rephrase that you the exposure you've had from a marketing perspective I'm not prying into your your personal consumption of anything but you you you're closer to the the, the, the marketing of these products so I've got a question which uh, I don't know if this is relevant or not but I always looked at it as thinking when erectile dysfunction was first talked about mm-hmm. it was talked about as as either a, a sort of catastrophic failure that can be fixed or you had no need for it but there's obviously lots of steps in between sure. and some the drug is marketed as a as a, 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 a almost performance enhancing to some extent right risk removing mm-hmm. anxiety reducing yep. um 
sometimes treated as a standby rather than a requirement. All those things, as you've got this spectrum of, of what is a very sensitive area for men to talk about, but it becomes easier if you're thinking, yeah, I'm an athlete, but I could do with some performance enhancement as opposed to, you know, I can't, I can't climb the stairs without getting out of breath. You know, you're not putting yourself into the failure category. Right. You, you've got that whole spectrum. Was that part of, as it evolved? Because I think originally it was just a prescription medication for a, a defined illness almost condition well, I think, is, that, is that right i think you have to be really careful in, in pharmaceuticals i mean i think that you could almost call that off label usage right as it just simply a performance enhancer versus something you know that is um you know treating a a true medical need um and so i i think that um that pfizer and as well as their competitors um while they were careful, at least in all of the marketing that I saw or, 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 you know, heard discussions about, it was always about the term ED and the words erectile dysfunction. But I think if, mm. you, if you watch the, the way that the, you know, the advertisements kind of evolved over time, I think that, 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 <laughs> and probably the, just the, the buzz about about this this drug this category um I, I think led to the impression that you know you didn't have to be you know suffering from the 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 far end of the spectrum of erectile dysfunction for this to 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 help you but i uh, i never saw any of the pharmaceutical companies uh talk about that explicitly or specifically because i don't think they could Mary, do you right. agree? Yeah, it, make, it makes yeah. sense, but it's, it's it is over the counter now, isn't it? I mean, that's 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 how it's 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 certainly marketed in this country. You you can actually just walk into a a high street pharmacist and buy it. Right. I think you have to have a consultation, but no prescription from a doctor required anymore. Right, right, yeah. Um, the other, I just wanted to quickly say, there's one other part that really was uh, it was part of the CNBC. Uh, report, and we see a lot of our pharmaceutical clients considering this, is that they came out with a, a low-cost alternative. Uh, what that means is, is it's, it's a pretty, that in itself is pretty risky. You know, you have a successful product and you know that it's uh, kind of reaching its, its end-of-life um, exclusivity, at least, and you launch a lower cost, and you know that it's going to take at least 20% of the market. Usually they do, you know, any type of a, a low-cost generic alternative does. But um, they, they made that decision, and, and it helped strengthen their overall platform or, you know, allowed them to continue to own the category because there is a segment that is going to go for the generic. Not everyone, obviously, or it would be 100%. But to know that somebody's going to get that generic business, so it might as well be us and timing even that. And that was another one of the when when we saw the report from CNBC, that was another real key to their success. Tom, anything that's else a, on that or Sean? It's a brave move, isn't it? A brave move to discount your own product because you're always facing anybody with a loss of exclusivity is is that balancing act between at what price do we retain what share and what's the optimum, you know, and 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 producing your own low cost version of a branded product is 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 is, is risky so you know hats off to uh to whoever made that decision well, that's, that's I, I think they did pretty ballsy decision. i think i think what did you call it a pretty <laughs> <laughs> never mind 
I won't repeat yeah, it, Tom. I, let's just move. Yeah, move yeah on. let's move on from that one. <laughs> um, I think they did the the the, the magic uh, thing there is they they didn't call it Viagra. They didn't call the 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 lower the lower end brand Viagra. They called it Sildenafil, which is just the name of the uh, act, active ingredient. And so, um, what what I think most people don't realize is that generic sildenafil, sildenafil is i hope i'm saying that right is from pfizer it's 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 basically generic viagra most people don't know that and therefore the brand equity of the name viagra is not diminished and it continues to be known as the standard in a category that Sean, you mentioned earlier, it's important to a lot of people to have the best, you know, they don't want to take any chances. Right. And right, so right. Uh, I think that was the key to it. It was, it was a very bold move. Um, but I think they followed, they, they followed the, the advice that we most often give to our clients taking that strategy. And that is, you know, make sure you don't hurt the brand equity that you've established. And if that means coming up with a different brand name, do it. And they did. And they did. And they did. So uh, closing thoughts, Sean, any, any key things that, uh, what's the lesson that people should take from this? I guess, you know, loss of exclusivity is always a, a, a traumatic time in any, any marketer's life as you're looking to, to face a much more competitive world. Um, stronger the brand, the stronger you've invested in building that brand up until that point is, is important. And then having the the courage to make the bold moves and 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 think about marketing it as a um, as a competitor to generics way before that 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 day hits and um, yeah planning planning ahead you know don't be surprised because you know it's coming yeah Tom anytime you're in the situation where you're about to face low cost you know, low priced competition whether it's pharma loss of exclusivity or in any other industry segment <laughs> that's what viagra did and and the reason that that's such an important step is to segment and look at the market you can pretty much tell if you've got a sizable segment that is going to really value a proven and trusted brand name and allow you to continue to be successful in the market the other piece of that puzzle is to look at the other segments and figure out if you have an opportunity to create a fighting brand, a low-priced brand, maybe under a different brand name, to, that is going to allow you to, again, continue to hold on to some business that you're, you would lose to those low-priced competitors. If you, if you do that, and segmentation being the key, I think you got a chance to, to, to hold on to a lot of your revenues. That's great. That's great. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this session and that uh, if there's something in this that you've enjoyed, um, please let us know by um, going to accidentalmarketer.com. You can click on the podcast button or uh, leave us ratings on iTunes. You can also always send us emails. We, we'd love to get any feedback that you have. And uh, we wish you the very best. <laughs>